the seven to the seven, if you hear screaming, uh, Zoe's being fed and she's, she's okay. And she's not being hurt or anything. Um, we're going to continue our series through the five M's. Um, can you guys see that? Can you see the screen? Can you give me a, a nod if you can see it and hear me? Okay, cool. Um, we're going through the five M's and we're just going to go through them step by step. And today we're going to talk about magnification. Um, what is it? Uh, why is that important? Um, so let me begin. Um, have you ever asked yourself, you know, why on earth am I here? Right? Why on earth am I here? And I don't mean a why on earth are you here at the church plant? And maybe you've asked that. Um, if you have, you can come speak to me. Um, but why on earth am I here like living? Why do I exist? Right? For what purpose have I been created? If there is a God out there, you know, why did he um, make me, put me on earth? You know, why do I exist? And you probably figured out uh, the topic of this sermon is the answer to that question. Right? Why do we exist? We exist to magnify God. Right? And you can say that in a few ways. Are we here to exalt him, to adore him, to make much of him, to make him famous? Right? And they're all different ways to say we exist to glorify and magnify him. Right? It's the purpose for which you and I were made. And it's not because God is needy. Uh, it's not because he's empty without it, right? If you go back to the I am sufficient sermon, um, the answer to that question, well, if God doesn't need us, why did he make us? Uh, it's because he deserves the glory um, and he rightfully is the one who should receive it. And so we find our place in the universe uh, when we are magnifying God. And so I've just got three things that I want to say today. Um, and the first one is our worship is everything. Our right? worship or magnifying God is everything. Um, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, um, it was written in uh, the 1600s. Sorry. Oh, Asher didn't get added. Um, let me let me add Asher. The joy of virtual meeting. Okay, I've added him. Okay, can you guys still see my slides? Okay. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, I, I don't know if you've heard it. Um, a catechism is kind of a summary of beliefs. And this was written back in the 1600s. It's quite important with the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, the Shorter Catechism is the shorter version. And it's a catechism, which is like a question and answer thing. So you begin with a question. It gives you the answer. Uh, it's a simple way of understanding what we believe as Christians. And they kind of made that for kids to be able to learn basic you know, beliefs. And, now, maybe that's something we can look into. But the first question of the Shorter Catechism is this. Right? What is the chief end of man? Right? That's where they begin. And the answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Right? So that's our purpose. As human beings, whether you're young or old, uh, no matter what job you have, uh, whether you're single, married, etc., whatever tasks you accomplish this week, you were made to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Right. I don't know if you guys know Chris Tomlin. I don't think the, the people, <laughs> this generation knows Chris Tomlin. For the old ones, I just saw Tom Su nod his head because he's, he's with me in the kind of older generation. He had a song called You and I Were Made to Worship. Right? And this whole song is basically this idea that this is why we were created. Uh, in the shorter catechism, I find it interesting that they also add, uh, we're also here to enjoy him forever. Right? Last week I said the greatest commandment is to love God. And today I'm saying, you know, we were made to worship God. And so the question is like, which is it, right? I'm here to love God. I'm here to worship God. I don't know. That, that's what I was thinking this week as well. Like how do these kind of work together? 
And at least for the shorter catechism, they put these together. Right? We're here to glorify God and to enjoy him, right? To love him. Right? John Piper, to quote John Piper, because you know, as uh, Christina noticed, I, I quote him. Um, he puts them together like this. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Right? And he kind of meshes that that way. When we're satisfied in God, right? we're, when we're loving him and you know, kind of being delighting in him, uh, that's when he is most exalted. And when you think about it, when you love someone, maybe you know, it's your spouse, um, when you love them, um, you know, because you love them, you want to magnify them. Right? You want to kind of boast about them. You want to elevate them in the eyes of everyone else. And so because we love them, we want to magnify them. But also as we love them, right? as we love them, we are magnifying them. Right? One of the best ways to kind of boast about them or make them look great is to tell them or show that they are satisfying to you. Right? And in that way, you magnify them. And so in a similar way, that, that's the same for us and God. Right? We want to boast about him, but as we are satisfied in him, we are making much of him. So let me just get some Bible verses um, in case you, know, you, you want proof. Uh, we were made for his glory, Isaiah 43. It says, bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who was called by my name, whom I created. Okay, so why did God create us? Whom I created for my glory, right? whom I formed and made. And then if you go to verse 21, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And so why did God make us? He made us so that we might glorify him. Not only are we made for his glory, the Bible says that we are saved for his glory. Ezekiel chapter 36, it's in the Old Testament, is a famous prophecy of what God will do uh, in Jesus, right, in the new covenant. Uh, it's the passage here talks about how God's going to give us a new heart, a new spirit. Uh, he's going to transform us from the inside out and kind of force us to obey his laws, right? The, the law isn't going to be something outside of us. He's going to put it in our hearts, right? And so it's a great kind of promise of what God's going to do right, in the new covenant with Jesus, right, because man has continued to fail, God is now going to decisively act, right, to transform us from the inside out, right, that's these verses, but if you go back a few verses, he explains why he's going to save us in this way, and so if you go to verse 22 to 23, he says this, therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, so I'm going to save you, and it's going to be great for us because we're not going to go to hell and we're going to be freed from our sin. But he says, it's not for your sake, right? Ultimately, it's not for you, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. Right? God is jealous for his name. He wants to you know, kind of vindicate his name and show that he and his name right, is worthy of worship. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned and the nations will know that I am the Lord declares the Lord God. When through you, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Right. And so God made us for his glory and even our salvation is for his glory above everything and anything else, even more than our good and even more than our salvation, God cares about his glory. Right. What's top on the priority list of God that he might be, glorified and you know that kind of makes god seem like oh he's he's full of himself right he's an egomaniac maybe um but it, it's not because unlike everything else in creation god rightfully deserves glory 
right? If you were to go to someone and say, you know, give me glory, well, that's wrong because, you know, you don't deserve it, but God does. And in a way, it's, it's wrong of him to you know, invite us to worship something else because then we're wasting our worship on something that doesn't deserve our worship. Only God deserves our worship. And so it's right for God to say, worship me, right? Give me glory. You should, you know, find your place where you have, you know, bowed and on your knees, uh, exalting me above everything else. And so this is our life's purpose to stand, spend you know, every moment and every breath magnifying and praising and loving and displaying his greatness. And if we aren't worshiping him, you know, no matter what else we are doing, uh, we are not doing the right thing. Right? Unless you are exalting him, right? that is your purpose. And so when you think about this church, uh, it goes without saying that this is why ultimately uh, we exist. Uh, we exist, um, as we used to say at New Life, for the glory of God. That was half of our vision statement. And it was there for this exact reason. Right? Whether we're singing, serving, we're doing events, we exist for his glory. Um, and then we exalt him mainly um, as a response to grace. Right? Just so you know, it's the work that is done in the Son to save us from our sins that motivates us to worship him, right? Uh, let me go on. The second thing I want to say is that everything worships. So worship is everything. Um, at the same time, everything worships. When you think about the universe, uh, all of creation is giving God worship. We, you find it in multiple places in the Bible. I'll just point out this one. Uh, Psalm 148, it says this. Uh, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, your highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. And then you go to verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. And the way the psalmist um, you know, is speaking, and it, it is kind of poetic, um, but he's describing you know, every kind of place worshiping and praising God, the heavens, the heights, the highest heavens, above the heavens, from the earth, all the deep. And he's describing every kind of creature worshiping God, all the angels, all the hosts, sun and moon, shining stars, great sea creatures, fire, hail, snow, mist, stormy wind. It's like everything in the known universe is giving God right, glory and worshiping him, right? It's as if, if the sun could speak and the, the stars could you know, sing, they would be you know, proclaiming God's glory. And they are, even though they don't even have voices. And you maybe you're thinking, well, that's a psalm and that's just poetry. Well, when you get to the book of Revelation, this is how the new heavens and new earth is described. The vision is that I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Right, that is creation's activity to magnify God. And even at this moment, right, all of creation has figured it out. Right? They figured out you know, something that you know, so many of you know, the human race has not figured out, which is that God alone deserves the worship. Right? And so everything worships. All of creation is doing it. But even when we as mankind cease to worship God, we are still worshiping. Right, even um, for your friend who does not believe in God, 
Um, it doesn't mean that they are not worshippers. Uh, we continue to worship. We just replace God with something else in our lives. Right? And that's what Paul says here in Romans chapter 1. He talks about those who knew God but did not honor him as God. They didn't give him thanks. And they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. And so these are people who are turning away from God. And verse 22, they claimed to be wise, but they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. Right? They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. And Paul is describing here in Romans 1 what happens when people uh, rebel against God. We don't just turn away from him and then you know, cease to worship. We replace him with man-made things, right? created things. And back in the olden times, they'd you know, worship animals. And we look at that and think, oh, that's so silly. Uh, but you know, someone from that time will probably, if they could time travel to our time, they'd look at us and the things that we exalt. And they'd be like, oh, you're a little silly. Uh, whether it's money or whether it's celebrities or something like that, you know, we are all kind of exalting and pouring our time and energy into making much of something, right? It's a uh, hardwired inside of us. There's an innate um, kind of thing that drives us to worship and exalt something. And you look at children, look at Reuben, he's running around like there's always a superhero he wants to be like. Or, you know, someone else, Micah, <laughs> that you know, he kind of idolizes. And as teens, you plaster your wall with posters of you know, stars and celebrities or sports people. And as adults, we bend our knee to leadership gurus, entrepreneurs or father figures. Right? It's hardwired inside of us. Right? Everything worships. Right? Even if you cease to worship God. And so the question for you this week isn't, will you worship? The question is, what will you worship? Because you will worship something. What is it? Right? What are you pouring your time and energy into making much of? Being satisfied in? And showing the world that this is the greatest thing right, in your life. What is that? When you think about non-believers, you know, that's what we're trying to do. They're all pouring their time and energy into something that the Bible says is not worthy of their heart's adoration. Right? They're wasting their worship on earthly things. And what we're trying to do is to draw them um, to worship God, right? The, the rightful one who's worthy of their praise. Everything else is a poor imitation. It's a false idol and it won't satisfy their hearts and their longing for joy and peace and purpose. And so even as we try to draw them, we're trying to draw them to worship God. And again, as Piper says, because it's so quotable, missions exist because worship doesn't. And so we're worshiping God and we go out on missions because they do not worship God. We're trying to bring them into worship, right? To magnify God because that is everything. So worship is everything. Everything worships. And lastly, everything is worship. When you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Uh, worship isn't something that's limited to a certain day of the week like Sundays, a certain place like a church building or you know, the Zoom. Uh, worship is more than just singing, even though singing is one of the key ways to express it. Uh, worship is, as this verse says, everything. Right? The examples given in 1 Corinthians 10 is whether you eat or drink. And it's so interesting that it's eat or drink. 
I don't think there's anything more mundane than eating and drinking. We're doing it all the time. It's so basic to us. Um, in a way, it feels like the least spiritual thing we can do because you know, it's just something we do, like uh, breathing. Um, but the Apostle Paul picks eating and drinking and kind of elevates it as something you know, God-glorifying. Even our eating and drinking that we do every day, that seems mundane, is to the glory of God. And if eating and drinking is to his glory, uh, what about everything else then we participate in? And when we work, right, with the decisions we make, um, that should all be worship to him. At the heart of worship, um, it's the heart of the worshiper. It's about, you know, the reasons why we are doing the things we do, which is why even eating and drinking can be worship to him. Uh, the Pharisees did great things, um, but their hearts were corrupt. Uh, the why wasn't for God. And so they would fast and they would tithe and they would keep the law. But right deep in the heart of it, it wasn't for God. It was for themselves. Pride, self-glory, self-adoration. Um, and so you can do great things uh, with the wrong heart and you're not worshiping God. But you could do small things like eating and drinking with the right worshipful, worshipful heart. And you will then worship God. Right? And God wants us to take the small and large things and do it from a heart of worship. And so when you eat or drink, it's for God's glory. And what does that mean? Maybe it means, you know, you're recognizing before you eat that really um, everything that I have is from God. And you kind of put yourself in that posture as you eat. Right? You're thanking God for the meal you have. It might mean eating and drinking in a way that's not sinful. Right? You avoid gluttony avoid drunkenness, avoid eating or drinking in a way that might make a brother or sister stumble. It might mean that you understand that your eating is the uh, fuel, your, your, your physical fuel to allow your whole life right, to be for his glory. Right? In these kinds of ways, you, you make the why about God. I'm not just eating for myself, I'm eating for God. And that then becomes worship to him. And we kind of live our whole lives in that way. Draw it down to the why of work or, you know, parenting or, you know, the things that you do, the way that you spend your money and make that about God. You know, God never calls us to love him for an hour, live for him for a day in a week. It's everything at home or at home or at home because we're all at home. You get the joke. Okay. Whether you're at home or you're at work at home or, you know, you're, you're meeting with friends on Zoom at home, right? We're, doing it for God. You know, as we ch church plant, uh, we're getting busier um, and we're starting to do a lot of things. And I just want to encourage us to be reminded um, that God's less impressed with what we're doing, uh, but why we're doing it. Right? Why are we doing the things that we're doing? Uh, check your heart and make sure that you're worshiping God through every step of the planting process. You know, what we're doing and what we're trying to do is important, um, but uh, you won't honor God if you're just ticking boxes and you know, doing things out of gritted teeth uh, and end up making it a burden or doing it out of bitterness uh, without being fueled uh, from the joy and love of God. Right? We're trying to worship him even as 
let's say, you know, you're calling people to try to find real estate or you're trying to worship him, even as you're making these spreadsheets and no one else is watching, you know, let that be out of the, the response of what God has done. God, why am I doing this? It's because uh, you deserve it because I love you so much right? because of what you have done for me in the sun. Right? I'm doing this because I want to plan a church that can reach those who are unreached right now right? and do it from that kind of heart. You know, we are forgetful creatures. I don't know about you, but I forget so often, you know, why I live and why I exist. We just need to constantly remind ourselves, right, that it is for God, right? Keep God at the forefront of our minds, right, regardless of what we're doing. And so I said last week, magnification is one of these five M's of what Christians are meant to do. And it is one of the five M's of the way the church is going to be structured. Now, in terms of our church structure, magnification could like be the umbrella for everything because i said worship is everything right and in a sense it could but then we'd have no structure and so that's not very effective and so for the sake of structure magnification um, is the umbrella for two main ministries which is praise and sunday and there's some smaller stuff and we'll fit them in somewhere and these two ministries and the magnification m uh, exist to uh, develop passionate adoration uh, to develop praise and thanksgiving amongst God's people as we respond to the grace of God in Jesus. And so we express that through, you know, um, delight and joy um, and thanksgiving, uh, mostly uh, through singing, uh, because that's one of the direct ways of worshiping God, right? Everything is worship to God. But I think particularly when we sing, it's kind of all about God. Right, that's kind of what you're doing when you're when you're evangelizing. That's worship to God, but you're also evangelizing. But singing is just 100% focused on God. So praise team falls under that, and Sunday service. You know, the Sunday gathering is uh, really unique. Uh, it's powerful because we're all gathered in one place as one people to magnify God, and even everything else that we're doing, all the five M's are in action on a Sunday gathering. Um, it's a really special thing. And so we, we plug that under magnification. And so what we're going to do before I kind of jump into the questions is I'm going to ask Peter and EJ to share a little uh, about their ministry. I, I kind of gave them some dot points that they can uh, kind of talk about if they want. They're just going to spend maybe a few minutes each just sharing about their ministry, about their heart for the ministry. And so um, I'm going to stop the screen share for a moment. And if Peter... Uh, you want to share a little bit yes. about praising? Um, yeah. Hi guys. Um, so I'll be leading the uh, praise and worship team within the magnification ministry in our church. And um, just to quickly share a little bit, um, I think my hope and prayer, my hope, prayer and goal for this ministry is that it might function as the best support in facilitating heartfelt gospel saturated worship within our community. Um, I truly believe that music is a gift from God for his people to be able to express and enjoy their love for him in an extravagant way. And I also believe that the church has been strongly called to sing songs of praise together, to be reminded and to remind one another of the grace and glory of our God. Um, so we just want to help build a culture of worship within our church where we sing together with both our heads and our hearts. Um, and we want to do this as a ministry by being prayerful and thoughtful in the songs that we sing, um, but also excellent and beautiful in the way that we lead the music. Um, there's a guy named Bob Coughlin. He's a, he's a famous worship pastor. 
And he says this in one of his books. He says, music is a state of art and worship is a state of heart. Let's not mix them up, but do them both well. And uh, that's my desire for this ministry and our church. Um, that we might be a church that understands why we sing and who we sing to in our heads, but also are unafraid to express um, with all our hearts, uh, our love for him and our gratitude for his grace. And uh, it might really show um, in the way that we worship him together. Um, the team right now, it, it consists of um, a few people. It has Christina, um, Justin, Holly, Rebecca Lee, uh, Annie, and Rosie. And uh, there are some other members who are still thinking and praying about it, but that's the team for now. So please keep them in your prayers uh, and you'll see them pop up here and there as we lead worship. Um, I know that COVID has made singing together really hard, um, but from now until the launch, what we'll be doing is um, simply we'll be um, trying to keep the Sundays running. Uh, it won't be very glamorous, but uh, we'll do our best to, um, yeah, to lead you guys well. Um, I'm hoping to spend some time together as a team to brainstorm and plan for the future of this ministry and to build the structure for this ministry once we do launch. And hopefully, um, yeah, my hope is that we might be able to explore together and study together the theology of worship and singing as well, so that we all know as a team why we do what we do. Um, if you guys could pray for us, I have three prayer points. Um, the first is humility. Um, you know, I think one of the easiest, the hardest things about this ministry is that we're at the front and it's very easy to get a big head and um, feel like we're more important and stuff like that, um, that we're on a pedestal or whatever. Um, that's so not the case. Um, yeah, if you guys could pray that we would stay humble in what we do, that we're here simply to serve uh, God and his church. Uh, so please pray for humility. Please pray for unity, uh, that we might keep together and work together well as a team. And also please pray for priority, uh, that we might keep focused as a, as a ministry on Christ why we do what we do and that we might do all that we do for the glory of his name. Um, yeah. And so that's praise team. Thanks for sharing uh, Peter. I'm excited for praise team. I'm excited for, yeah, just developing and um, encouraging passionate worship um, through singing. Um, and that was a great quote. Uh, I don't know if you know, but we're only allowed to quote John Piper here. <laughs> no, I'm just um, thank you. Thanks. Thanks Peter. I'm going to ask EJ to share a little bit. Um, as well. All right. Hi, guys. Um, can I ask you all to think about what comes to mind when you think about Sunday team? So they might be things like welcoming, set up, pack up on Sundays, ensuring the service runs smoothly, um, amazing snacks, uh, pastor's water, or you might have no idea what we do. That's fine. But under the magnification umbrella, um, Sunday team is going to be all of that. And now it's going to be much more. So um, in the team at the moment, I've just got myself and Yuri. But that's fine. Um, we're, we want to see Sunday team magnify not just God, as Pastor Paul was saying, but to also help magnify the other four M's and what the other ministries are doing. So Sunday service um, is a time where... People come together and for a lot of us, it'll be the only time that they come to church. So by having that objective to magnify or to, um, I guess, 
um, like a magnifying glass, like zoom in on what the other ministries are doing and what the wider church is trying to do. We're facilitating that common goal of um, bringing people closer to God and also closer together as a community. Um, so over the next few months, what, we're, what the team is going to be doing um, is reach out to people to help us. Um, so we need a lot of helping hand. As you know, there's a lot to do um, on Sundays. Um, we'll be going through what our role is going to be like, what the structure is. Um, and something that we've never had to do before is to, I guess, prepare for COVID-19 safety. So once everyone starts coming back together, this is like stuff that we're going to have to think through how can we make it safe for people to meet and um, I guess adhere to government guidelines. Um, so just a few prayer requests is that we can find a good balance between being a Mary and a Martha. Um, Sunday requires so much behind the scenes work um, and it's quite hard to find that balance. Um, so that, that's a big prayer point for us. Um, I don't want to do what, too much of one thing and miss out on doing the other. Um, for our work to, to glorify God and not what we do. Um, and I guess for unity across all the ministries so that we can work together well on Sunday to be a church that obeys God's great commandment and live out the great commission. So that's it. Thank you. Thank you, EJ. Um, currently, I believe uh, the Sunday team has two people. So it's EJ and Yuri. I, I think you said that. Um, and so we just need a lot of helping hands um, kind of rotating through a lot of the Sunday tasks, <clears throat> whether it's snacks or you know, whatever the Sunday team decides will rotate. And I think like that that's really possible if we have a lot of like rotating people helping out once a month, once two months, you know, just doing snacks or, you know, um, I don't know what it is, um, setting up the lectern. Like I, that's, that's totally possible. And so that's just something for us to think about. All right. Um, let me just share, maybe I just should share in the chat. The two questions um, I want us to kind of chat about as we, as we split off are these ones. And so <clears throat> going back to worship, what roughly what percentage of your week is conscious worship to God and so this is the, like taking the term worship to mean just like keeping God at the forefront of our minds and, you know, whether you're doing work stuff, Excel spreadsheet, whether you're eating or you're trying to like, keep God at the center of it all. So what percentage do you think it is and why would you land on that number? And then this isn't about judging. It's just about trying to gauge, uh, you know, just our consciousness of God throughout our days. And secondly, is there a particular area or place you can attempt to worship God in this week? And so maybe when you go to work, you're just totally not thinking about God. And so maybe you want to try to think about God and, and, you know, even the way you relate to colleagues, do it in a Christ-like manner in a way that will please God. And maybe that's something that you can do. And so how will you do that? And so that's what I want us to kind of chat about. If you want, you can chat about something else if you want. These are always just guidelines. Um, and then we'll join back at about um, 10.50.